Knock, knock. <laughs> Who's there? We shall ask the questions. <laughs> God. Hi, it's raining. God, is it raining? It is raining. That's why we're in here, because we normally record in another room where there'd be a lot of sound interference. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening to this, obviously it doesn't really mean anything, so we should probably let them know we're in a different location. We're currently on a yacht. I don't think we should tell them anything. At all? No. This whole thing should just be done through interpretive dance. <laughs> oh, speaking of club singer style... Uh-oh. Did you welcome to Big Damn Cast, Hello. Um Big Damn Pop Culture Podcast yeah. full of stuff. Full of uh, stuff. And, and Winsy, did you um see the stuff about Ian Brown this past week? <laughs> oh, it's amazing. So so Ian Brown, formerly of the <laughs> yeah, Stone Roses. I did, I did see this. Um did uh did it was on tour at the minute. Did doing a, his stuff. Did a gig? Question mark. With no band. No band. That's fine. That's fine. Is There's it? artists that do no band. But no band. Front cloth down, stood in front of it, like the interim bits in a fucking pantomime where a character comes out and faffs around for a minute with the audience before they disappear and a set has been changed behind them in the background. So it all the whole thing looks like he's sort of just filling in time until something else happens. <laughs> and and he's, he's singing to his backing track. And not in like a, oh, it's really sad, he's not quite got it anymore. In like a, no, this just... No, a lot of your charm was always your style and a band creating songs. This is now just a man who, let's face it, does not sing well, not singing well on his own. And it's kind of sad. But he's basically doing karaoke. Yeah. Karaoke. And there was that incredible edit of it on Twitter doing the rounds that someone had cut to a Vic Reeves club singer style from Shooting Stars. <laughs> And it's instantly better. See, the thing is, is I, I've deleted Twitter now. I don't have Twitter anymore. Congratulations. You're out. I'm out. You made it. I'm out of Twitter. Well done. For those who are listening, we're shaking cocks. I mean, those accounts are still live. Oh, we got a live one here. Uh, <laughs> those accounts are still live, but I don't have Twitter installed anymore. That's perfectly fine. How have you felt since removing it? Because um, you, you were more a browser on Twitter anyway. Got a lot more free yeah. time. That's yeah. true. You kind of need more free time, though. You're you're a hardworking man. You're a family man. And it just you're a you're a, a, a daredevil stan who aggressively tweets at She Hulk. I I do. I I am a daredevil stan. <laughs> they just call me Stanley Daredevil. Down at the office, they call you Melvin Potter. Melvin the Dirty Rotter. Melvin um, Potter the Dirty Rotter. They call you Owls, in the straw. Owlsley. The bowels, right? Doesn't make sense, but uh, we've got a few things to talk about. It's kind of a short one this 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 episode, simply because it's an expansive to pick, um, and we're gonna have a look at some tweets you guys sent in as well and whatnot about it. But uh, an expansive topic. That's the title on that. Yeah, uh, uh, just get it right under the nail. Picking your toes. Give it a little. Oh, I hit the quick. That's the electric one. <laughs> you come with the king. You better cut him to the quick. Um, what? We rewatched the John Wick trilogy recently. That's yeah, quite good, isn't it? Oh, so good. It's so, so good. It was like, sometimes. We should watch something a little bit different. We've, we've gone on an action movie kick lately. It was our wedding anniversary the other day, and we spent it watching 
the rest of Ghost Series 4, um, best series they've done. Um, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. I haven't watched any of that yet. So good. I need to, I need to get it, on it. It is, it is quite possibly... It's like that and Peacemaker are currently neck and neck for my favourite TV show oh, this year. Oh, wow. Like, it's just... Oh, wow. It's like Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared was made for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's, all right. It's so good. Um, and, and, and what's great is it doesn't rely on you knowing the web series inside out. So when they do give little nods to past characters yeah. or stuff, it's very like, oh, that's cool. And then it moves on. Um, so don't be expecting any like... Don't be expecting the dad to be in the back of every episode somewhere, but do keep your eyes out. Oh, okay, all right, um, all right. Yeah, it's yeah, and oh, the last episode is one of the most tragic and upsetting things I've watched in ages. It Can't was wait. So good. Um, watch it. Watch it with the baby. It's fine. You love it. It's cool. People have been complaining to Channel 4 saying, my child went on all four and they've been watching this. It's not suitable for them. It's like, yeah, that's why it's got a parental guidance thing at the front. So your kid's pressing through on the 16 plus warning. That's on you. Yeah, that is on you. But it shouldn't look like a kid's show. So what should it look like then? Yeah, it's it's meant to be a a warped kid's show world. Covered in spikes. Um, Yeah, but in the the evening we went, what should we watch? We're having tea. And we just suddenly had this urge. We're like, fuck it, T2, Judgment Day. Whack yeah. that bad boy on. It's classic. Oh, it's so good. It's classic. My favourite thing about watching, and it's an early Blu-ray release. It's like a 2007 Blu-ray release. Mm. Uh, um, and I'm one of those people who, weirdly, I'd prefer the Terminator to Terminator 2. I love Terminator 2, but I love the weird it's... sci-fi slasher movie that Terminator Yeah, has. they're different kinds of movies, despite being written and directed by the same person. Um, they Smart have very different movies. Smart That's why Aliens work so well. He's yeah. like, I like what Ridley did. I'm going to do something different. Because I've already done Alien, and I called it the Terminator. Yeah. Uh. So I'm going to do something strange. And he does that with Terminator. Like, like yeah, the first yeah. one's a slasher movie with a sci-fi villain. Yeah. Second one is just a balls-to-the-wall action like mm. road trip movie. Um, with some really nightmarish stuff. We watched the, uh, the long cut, the extended yeah. cut, yeah, yeah. which I'd never watched before. And that's where you get like the the dream sequences are stretched and there's yeah. different narration. And yeah. It was very very very. Michael cool. Bean turns up again. He does, yeah, in that dream sequence. Yeah. It's really good. That it cut Arnie's so head well. open. Yes. Oh, that whole that there is a shot in that. For those who don't know, it's Terminator amazing. Go watch it. But there's a shot in that where like so they're changing like they're, they're basically like removing an inhibitor for uh, learning. Yeah, from they the, take from the T eight hundred. They take you have to take it. He's memory chip out flick a switch on it and put it back in so he, he can he can he can learn he can he can retain new information yeah because they're really de- determined of like yeah sure future john sent him back to protect us now but we don't like how he's doing things yeah so we really want him to adapt and learn and listen to, he needs to, blend to say. In. yeah he's got to, exactly he's yeah. got to learn to smile and say catchphrases um and that'll be put on t-shirts for decades to come Decades and decades, and and the way they do it is he's sat in front. They're in like a chop shop. They've broken into late at night, and he's sat in front of a mirror, and he's got so it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, Edward Furlong, and um, Linda Hamilton here, and there's a mirror. Yeah, and there's one shot where it just kind of pans around them all like this behind Arnie behind the chair, like a bar- like a barber going yeah. around doing the back of your, your hair. But the way it's achieved is so. Dirty and sneaky. It's so good. It's not a mirror. Arnold sat 
in the mirror on the other side of this set with body doubles for Furlong and Hamilton who were on this side. I believe it was Linda Hamilton's twin sister. There you go, which is incredible. Who also does the, when it's the two of them later on when the T-1000 is pretending to be her. Yes. That's also a twin sister, yeah. God, that's a good shout. Yeah. But like, so you've got body doubles in there. Furlong and Hamilton over here getting more FaceTime near the camera. This is not even a person. This is a puppet. Mm. There's a puppet sat in puppet where Arnie Schwarzenegger. Is. A better puppet Schwarzenegger than an in Terminator 1 as well. Yes. Oh, I do love that one. Yeah, it's, it's very so, good. It's, it's so just, rubbery. Yeah. I love it's it. It's very good. It's a lovely piece of effects work. It looks like it yeah. escaped from the Blob remake. It looks oh. like it's about to go ah, and just stretch. Yeah. All but right. Like... And explode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Up yeah. against the phone booth. Put, it on the, put them on the glass. Oh, we got to watch um, that at some point. Oh, we really do. It's very good. But um, so you've got, you've got uh, basically, it's a it's a puppet. You've got, yeah. It's a puppet. Oh, it's a Brian hell. Connolly. You've got a puppet here. Arnold's here. Body doubles here skillfully avoiding being seen full frontal with their face but obviously Hamilton's twin you can get away with yeah, a little yeah. bit more side profile yeah oh it's genius it's and really now, smart now you just like shoot it twice and composite the shot maybe but they were like no magic yeah trick. we are going to do this were in coward. one shot <laughs> but the weaknesses are, are there on show too yeah not just in the blu-ray the blu-ray format has a huge weakness because it's early blu-ray so the loading at the beginning takes ages and comes up with messages about make sure to connect to the internet to access all these new features. BD Live. Yeah, which of course it now says it's not connecting. It's like, yeah, because half of the services have just been turned off. Yeah, it's done, it's done they don't exist anymore. exist anymore. The cover of the Blu-ray has, um, uh, what's it, uh, works with PlayStation 3 with the original oh, yeah. Spider-Man Sam Raimi font for yeah. PlayStation 3. And uh, all the things on the menu aren't named after what they are. So it's not play movie, it's like survey uh, survey footage. Oh yeah, it's got like a very themed menu. Yeah, yeah. which is impossible to navigate. Yeah. You're like, I think I think that's the subtitle, if I'm not entirely sure. Oh fuck no, we've just bought a bunch of digital films. Uh, oh no! From um, a service that doesn't exist anymore. Oh no, but it's still charged us. Oh no! Oh no! And um Who yeah, would but, make this? But also, this movie was made to be watched in a movie theatre. In 1991, 1992? Yeah. That's what it was made for, right? Mm-hmm. Not to be watched on a... Uh, what size is our TV? 70 inch, so like 64 inch wide screen. Fucking size queen. Um, I paid in installments, all right? I'm not flexing. I had to save up. And I'm so glad of it because it looks fucking gorgeous. But, 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 but... Um, the shots in the uh, the viaduct... Is that the correct word? The, the uh, storm drain. I think. Storm drain. Yeah, yeah. The, the the chase with the van yeah. and 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 the motorbike and everything. There are two shots where it's just like, that's not John Connor, that's an elderly stuntman. The size an of a child. An elderly stuntman. That's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's someone wearing an Arnold Schwarzenegger mask. It's just the the slow mo of the moment. And the size of the screen in proximity to where you were human in a small room are sat. Yeah, yeah. It's so noticeable. Now, does it make it any less valid or cool? No, because everything happening in the shot is practical. That van I know is how the sausage is made. Yeah, that, that, that explosion point, yeah. is happening. Those things are real and it's really cool. However, yeah. it did take me out of it because I was just like, <laughs> which one of these you go, you go from. He's going to rub a head. You go from being, oh yeah, that looks amazing, that looks real, to it being, oh yeah, that's a great bit of stunt work. Mm, it's appreciating is, yeah. the actual artifice 
rather than falling for the artifice. It's a different feeling, um, which you, you, you get a lot from movies where the effects are still practical, yeah. even if they don't necessarily uh, hold up in a way. Mm. Um, because you still admire it, you, how you, yeah, they did exactly, it. exactly. Like anything Stan Winston ever touched, you know what I mean? <sighs> um, so yeah, it, it's it's a different it's a different way of appreciating something. That's one of those places I want to visit before I die, and I think it may have to be like a Make-A-Wish Foundation kind of thing. I think I'll have to get seriously unwell and then be like, I have to go here before I can actually achieve it. The uh, the Stan Winston workshop, mm-hmm. you, have you ever seen any documentaries like The Display Hall? Yeah. Oh my god. Just, it's fuck. it's like the size of, um, so like a, like an exhibitor's hall or, or, a, or a, a small aircraft hangar. Yeah. And it's just black curtains and black walls everywhere, and there's just these dioramas with, like, and they 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 furnish them like once a year. They service them and make sure everything's good and nothing's deteriorating. Oh. And it's like a fucking T Rex head just smashing through a gate. It's Mount Crumpet oh. with a full size Jim Carrey Grinch mannequin just stood there. Oh. It's like this is insane. Um, ADI had something similar before they moved to a smaller office. Yeah, yeah. They had like a big exhibit hall. The walls were made from like parts of a Predator ship. And, yeah. And grating from the walls of things from Alien Resurrection. Yeah. And they had like um, a, a full size like uh, Caesar from the first of the Modern Apes trilogy. Yeah. That they used for body double shots and everything. And it was like, oh my God, this is beautiful. And then uh, they weren't getting hired for enough practical stuff and they downsized because of uh, computer animation. Yeah. Yeah. And they trained up a whole like team. Yeah. Like they have a whole department. ADI is now a digital effects house and practical effects house. But it's like, yeah, it's not as fun though going, and that's a room full of computers. Yeah, it's just not. And it's over there not. is the one Predator head we've managed to fit in the office. Yeah. There it is, in a glass case. It's like, no, I want to go to the room you used to have. There's like a Predator and an alien making out or whatever it was they were doing in the background. Oh. They had like... um. They had like a full mannequin of uh, of Nicholas Holt's beast from First Class, X Men First Class. So, oh. You know the shit shit one. Yeah, they he looks like a cat in the comics. Let's try that. Oh, it's not a good design. This but... isn't a good design. Maybe we shouldn't have done it. We've done it. Moving on. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But speaking, we right there. speaking of um, <clears throat> uh, genre stuff in different mediums, segue. Uh, I've been listening to two podcasts lately. Two. At the Two same time, at the same time, one in each ear. It's very confusing. Uh, but erotic, in a weird way. Erotic! Um, no, I've been listening to two superhero podcasts. One made by Marvel, one made by DC. Um, Ooh, in recent years, rivalry. Been... Which but, one's no, no, no. better? Balance. Which, oh, perfectly balanced. As all things should be, <laughs> said Darkseid. Um, so... <laughs> So, in Star Wars. Uh, in Star Wars, my favourite... Uh, who's your favourite Star Wars captain? Mine's Picard. <laughs> Gandalf. <gasps> oh, Gandalf's Bay. I yeah. love the way... Love the way that he runs that school for witches and wizards. <laughs> um, uh, mm. Aragon. So, um... Thanks for lowering the tone. <laughs> Aragon. Squirrel Girl. The unbeatable podcast. AKA Squirrel Girl, the unbeatable radio show, is a podcast that you can listen to on Spotify. Uh, both of these are Spotify, actually. Squirrel Girl, I don't think it's Spotify exclusive, but uh, the other one definitely is, so just go there. Not an ad, but get Spotify. Um, it's worth Bet. it. Honestly, with ads, without ads, 
There's a lot of stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, but support your, support your favourite bands by buying their shit. Go and on. occasionally an album. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have I have Gerard and Mikey Way's feces in a Tupperware. What have you been eating, Gerard? <laughs> Tis very nutty, Gerard. <laughs> God damn it. Um, <laughs> I have Frankie Aero's arrow over here. He never ate it, but he thought about it. Just keeping it. Could you do a poop clone of a rock star? <clears throat> yes. How? They already did. How do you think they made that uh, golem in Dogma? It was just meatloaf, but recreated <laughs> in shit. <laughs> shitloaf! <It was> shitloaf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's Dogma. Why did they let you have a radio show? <laughs> oh, wait. You just make your own. There we go. <laughs> Um, Squirrel Girl, the Unbeatable Radio Show, is set in the continuity, loosely, of the Marvel Comics and Marvel Universe, and follows Doreen Green, the unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Yes, if you haven't heard of her, go read a fucking Squirrel Girl book. You will not regret it. Um, especially if you love shit like Deadpool, uh, She-Hulk, like, you love the stuff where it gets subversive and weird, read Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Um... Uh, her identity's been outed in the comics in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. She is now known. So instead of hiding away, going on the run, trying to reinvent herself, she goes, no, do you know what? I'm going to own it. I'm going to own this shit. So she starts a radio show on her university on ESU's campus. She joins the program. And what you're listening to in the Unbeatable Radio Show is their weekly broadcast. It's about 40 minutes long. And you hear a little tail end of the show prior to it as well each week. <laughs> and it is... The funniest, sweetest, most bizarre thing I've heard this month. Um, Because it takes this world of big, visual, colourful superheroes and characters and translates it perfectly to an audio medium that doesn't lose any of the kind of... (gasps) It rewards you for being a fan of stuff without ever um, making it just for the fans. If you have, say, like... uh, Yeah, no, I'd say Super Love Kids. If you have a young kid who's into superhero stuff and you want to give them something to listen to... This is great. If you're an adult who has a miserable fucking commute to make in the morning, give this a listen. It is great. Um, You get some weird, fun fantasy castings uh, in terms of people who would never necessarily play the characters uh, on television. Okay. For example, Paul Shear. You know Paul Shear? Yeah, I know Paul Shear. Paul Shear is Spider-Man. Ah! And it's like, Paul Shear's never going to play (laughs) Spider-Man. But in audio... That's quite good. He makes a really fucking good Spider-Man. Um... The reason why I bring this up too is because out of all the MCU projects that never happened because of Ike Perlmutter, um, Avirad's evil a twin. Don't Um, know his name. Ike Perlmutter, a man so sinister, there's like three photographs of him and in two of them he's wearing shades to obscure most of his face and is walking with Donald Trump from like Mar-a-Lago to the parking lot. So that kind of guy. He was in charge of Marvel for a long time. He's the reason why Black Panther didn't get made till 2018. Mm. He's the reason why there wasn't a female-led superhero movie from Marvel Studios until Black Widow in 2020. He's the reason that behind the whole Inhumans push. <clears throat> yeah, because he was like, ah, oh, fuck's on the X-Men then. Don't do X-Men comics. Get rid of them. Do Inhumans do instead. Do Inhumans instead and we'll, we'll cash in. It's like, right, people like these characters and everything, but like they're going to see what we're doing. They're going to see through it. Immediately. Like, stop trying and to make the Inhumans make... a thing. It's never going <laughs> to be a thing. Stop trying to make Inhumans happen. It's not going to happen. But like, it's, <laughs> and it's... you know what? And that's the thing. Like, like It's made people reluctant 
to like check out anything within humans in anymore, which sucks because they are a really interesting, fun cast of characters. But they were a terrible miniseries, and 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 just uh, Ike Perlmutter cancelled the New Warriors after the pilot was made. New Warriors was going to be a slightly more wacky kind of uh, MCU show released on one of the same networks as Runaways or Cloak and Dagger, um, and it was featuring the slightly more. It was essentially it was it was. Great Lakes Avengers. It yeah. wasn't New Warriors. Yeah. It was it was a cast of weird superheroes who don't quite fit in. You're never going to see them saving the world, but they can totally help out with local problems. Like, there's a riot going on somewhere. They'll go stop it. There's someone stealing cats to put them up trees. They'll save all them cats, and they'll find the bastard who's doing it. <laughs> like, that's their thing. you got, like, Big Bertha and um, Mr. Immortal, who, who's who's since been readapted into the MCU. Flatman. I don't know if Flatman was in the pilot, but uh, okay. Flatman is, yes, Flatman. <clears throat> and um, Squirrel Girl, who was created by Steve Ditko in a random comic book in like 1991, 1992. It was like a Marvel fanfare anniversary edition. She appears in an Iron Man short story where Iron Man's just doing his Iron Man thing and they've got back legendary illustrator and writer Steve Ditko to come and do the short story. And he's gone, I've got an idea. And it's just Iron Man doing his thing. He suddenly pounced yeah, on Yeah, not one of this... your usual ideas, Steve. No, not one of those ones. No, oh, no, 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 no. Not one of those ideas. His lovely superhero yeah, ideas. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, but they bring in uh, this this teenage superhero just to cost Iron Man. And she's like, scary fangirl. She's like, hi, I'm Squirrel Girl. Look what I can do. And I was like, okay. Uh-huh. I can talk to squirrels. And I can leap from trees and have the bush and spread strength of a squirrel. And it's like, okay. And she's like, and I'm already being a superhero. I just defeated Doctor Doom. And I was like, hey, wait, what? And then Doom shows up in his Doom ship. And he's like, Doom ship, Doom ship. And he's like, fucking, it's her, fucking get her. Oh, and Iron Man's here as well. Brilliant. So Iron Man's captured and they're both put in a room where they're going to be like crushed by metal spikes in the middle of the ship. And Squirrel Girl saves the day by summoning a shitload of squirrels to climb up the trees just before the ship leaves the tree line, climb up into the ship and chew on all the wires. And Doctor Doom is defeated by a bunch of squirrels, and in it's, one of, the, of caves. it's in one of those. It's one of those caves with <laughs> the scrap boxes. Scrap boxes. Doctor Doom, scrap this in a box with a cave of scraps. <laughs> um, and and he like, and he, it's one of those like we will never speak of this again. Mm. So obviously, it's seen as a humor story, but it's canon because when she gets recruited to the Great Lakes Avengers in the nineties comics, it's like. Why should we include you? I defeated Doctor Doom. Shit, you're in. <laughs> like, come on in. Um, in her own series... No, not in her own series. In a uh, Great Lakes Avengers Christmas special, she goes off and deals with some big threats, including defeating Thanos on the moon, off-panel. But when they go back to her, Thanos is defeated, and the Watcher is there because it's that important of an event. And the Watcher clarifies to the reader in Squirrel Girl that, yes, this definitely happened, and I witnessed it. It's documented history. And obviously it's meant as a joke. But she is canon, one of the few superheroes in Marvel, to defeat Thanos on her own. I fucking well, on love her that. own, with all her squirrels. Uh, she only had Tippy Toe with her. Okay. Who is a cast member... In the radio yeah, show. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, of course we don't hear Tippy Toe speak, because obviously we're not Doreen. Doreen yeah. can understand Tippy Toe. Uh, her friend Chipmunk Honk can, can just about understand Tippy Toe. Uh, Tippy Toe's... These are all cast members from her comic, and they're all in it. Um, Koi Boy. Koi Boy's in the, in the podcast. Koi Boy, all right. Do you speak to fish? 
And someone at one point comes on and accuses him of being baby Namor. And he's like, well, actually, Namor can live underwater. Uh, I can't do that. I can swim really good. Uh, and Namor can't talk to fish. Like, you can't talk to fish and swim and live underwater. That's preposterous. That's too many things. Says the superhero, Koi boy. Koi um, boy. <laughs> her friend Nancy is the producer. She's got no superpowers. Well, oh. Apparently, she can talk to boats. Based on a one-off joke in the comics. We can all talk to boats. And Brain Drain is the assistant producer. Ah. Brain Drain is a evil sort of experiment turned good who is a brain in a jar on a hulking robot body who writes uh, uh, solemn haikus and talks like Werner Herzog in the podcast. Brilliant. His voice is like this. I am Brian Drain, also known as Brain Drain. No. It's just... It's no. perfect. It's perfect. But the reason why I bring up the new Warriors pilot is because Milena Vaintrue was cast as Squirrel Girl. Um, we have since seen, because the director of it about a year ago went, fuck it, here's some behind-the-scenes pictures. You're never going to see it. Yeah. So here's some behind-the-scenes here's, here's Melina in, like, Dor- as Doreen in casual clothes with a big fucking tail sticking out. <laughs> and here's some animatronics and puppeteering tests for, for Tippy-Toe. Oh. And it looks cute as fuck. And it's really sweet. And Melina's an incredibly talented actor. She's so fucking funny. She's one of those people who's like always been in comedy stuff over the years. Yeah. Um, the first time I think I ever saw her in anything was the the continuing of the Ben Schwartz, Jake and Amir skits. The one with Thomas Middleditch with her in the theatre and Ben Schwartz is the usher. And it's Jake and his girlfriend played by Milena uh, are on a cinema yes, date. Yes, Amir's yes, come yes. with them and Ben Schwartz <laughs> just fucking rocks up with a bell by Let's all grow to the movies! <laughs> so fucking good. Just ridiculously brilliant. It's like we're, very, we're two, very strange. We're two running in jokes for that series of Thomas Middleditch and Ben Swatch just fucking clash in one episode. Uh, it's amazing. If you, if you ever get a chance, watch their improv special on Netflix. Thomas okay. Middleditch and um, Ben Schwartz. It's very good. It's just a, here's the basic structure of the night. Everything else we're just going to pull out of our ass. And it's a fucking hilarious like hour and a half. It's amazing. Um, <clears throat> ben Sonic the Hedgehog Schwartz. Um, and Thomas, best nightcrawler, don't at me, Middle Hitch. Schwarznick the Hedgehog. <laughs> ah, that would explain some moistness. Um, but anyway, Melina Vaintrub, that's when I first saw her. She's in like Werewolves Within, one of the few good movie movie adaptations of a video game. Because uh, it, it's a video game that's reliant on story anyway, so they just go, fuck it, we'll just do that. Directed by Josh Rubin, formerly of College Humor. Um, you know, the guy who played George R. R. Martin and stuff. Uh, who is the voice of Tony Stark in Squirrel Girl, the unbeatable radio show. Calm down. Um, but yeah, so Melena basically, she voiced Squirrel Girl in, I think, Marvel Rising. Uh, they cast her in like one of the animations. Okay. And she's voicing her in this. They've obviously gone, look, it sucks that New Warriors isn't happening. You are now in your mid-30s, so you're kind of getting a bit too old to play Doreen if we bring her to the screen now. Boo! Even though you, she looks like a baby. <laughs> but. Baby. But will you voice her for this? And you get essentially a sample of like what it would have been like had she played her in live action. She should have looked down and whispered, <clears throat> no. No. And the squirrel whispers, nah. Dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, <laughs> she's amazing. Iron Man rocks up. Um, they keep getting called by an individual asking for Charles, who's angry that he won't just pick up the phone and is pranking him with his students. Yes, Charles. Turning it into a radio show isn't funny. Like, I know it's you, Charles. And he's usually asking for stupid favours. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Magneto's calling in. Um, 
at one point like shocker calls in pretending not to be the shocker trying to get Ooh. help to take down a villain and the shocker <laughs> take down a villain what's that from it's from um, homecoming oh yeah oh fucking keaton yeah. yes oh god <sighs> you wait for ages for the shocker to show up in live action then you get two, two. at once in the same film um shocker but yeah, Shocker calls him, pretends to be someone trying to foil of a supervillain scheme and is taking notes, obviously trying to figure out how he could possibly be stopped to make sure he doesn't. Yep. Uh, there's a bit where they mention the Sinister Six and incorrectly like label the members. So an angry vulture calls in to correct them and basically harass them for fucking well, bullying the actually, elderly. <laughs> With Scorpion in the background like shouting shit to the phone call. Well, don't tell us everything that happens in the podcast, oh, I Chris. am scratching the surface. Tell us, tell us why we're talking about it in comparison to your other podcast and what your other podcast is. Well, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because if you're looking for serialised storytelling through a humorous lens that covers this genre stuff, Squirrel Girl, big recommend. Because it was my gym binge for a week, basically. Like I'd hit the gym, listen to two episodes, have an amazing time. Your ginge. My ginge. The other podcast I've been listening to from The Distinguished Competition is... It's an odd one. It's got a, it's got a, a wealth of talent behind it. It has a huge voice cast. Its main, its main characters is only like 10 of them. But it has like a cast of 40 doing mm. all the incidental bits and pieces. Uh, with some actors y'all will recognise, some you won't. Some who are very much the that guy of like genre acting. Yeah. Um, this one's a horror and it's a comic book adaptation, and it's doing its own thing. It's not in any continuity, but it kind of relies on you having the basic concept in your head. It's called Batman Unburied. This is one of the scariest fucking audios I've ever listened to. Namely in the first couple of episodes. It's really scary. There are concepts as it goes on that remain frightening, but it becomes a bit more... a bit more superhero as it goes on. The reason why I was a little... When I was sort of talking about the writers and that, is there are some incredible writers in there, but the story plotter, one of the writers and the exec producer for the series is David S. Goyer. Now, David S. Goyer sometimes writes absolute bangers. I mean, and yeah, sometimes writes utter dread. It's it's a yeah, it's always a coin toss. For David Goyer, always a coin toss. The man who wrote Batman Begins and The Dark Knight also wrote Blade Trinity. He also directed Blade Trinity. Which probably says a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, the man who, like, you know, he, he did script work on Man of Steel, which I'm not a fan of, but, like, it certainly hits I, like, I like, like, half of Man of Steel. Yeah. Is also the same guy that said in an interview, they only invented She-Hulk so they could, like, nerds could picture Hulk fucking somebody. And it's like, no. It's like, it's really not. and Stan Lee put a statement out just going, actually, I think you'll find that Jen is his cousin. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> Excelsi, fuck you. As his famous catchphrase was. Jog on. Jog on. That's what Stan Lee used to... Yeah. Jog on, true believer. <laughs> Enough said. Bitch. That's what he used to say. Shame. That's what he used to say. And, um... <laughs> but, but, the only kind of David S. Goya that slides through the crack in this is the fact that it goes from a, a horror thriller to a psychological thriller to something a bit more generically superhero toward the end. It's a bit more obviously, this is a Batman story now. Which isn't a bad thing, but the setup premise is so strong and different and weird that you're kind of sad to see it go. Um, 
without going into spoilers, you've seen Batman stories that have pulled this trick before in different mediums. And it's kind of a shame once the pieces slot into place and you go, oh, here's what we're doing. Oh, damn it. Because everything up to that point is so unique. Does it mean it's not worth listening to? Oh, God, no. Listen to it. Absolutely. Because even once it slips into the tried and true formulas, it does shit that you've never seen them do with certain characters, certain situations. Mm. Its cast is fascinating. And you still won't have seen them do it because it's an audio show. Exactly. <laughs> its cast is fascinating. Winston Duke is Batman. That's, yeah, I'm here for that. Winston Umbaku. Oh. Are you done? Are you done, Duke? Oh. Is Batman. He's so good, at, specifically as Bruce Wayne. Uh, He's very good as Batman, but it is absolutely a... Winston, I don't know if this is the voice. Yeah. It's very kind of... It's not It's not the Batman Begins Bale put-on voice. It's not the um, kind of Keaton hushed voice. It's I'm being strangled by my cowl voice. Yeah, it's more kind of like... Everything you say sounds like a fish being squashed together. And it's like, oh, that's a shame. Because it works fine in certain scenes. Apprehending a criminal, chasing after him, that would be like, what the fuck is behind me? Oh my God. But like in a conversation one-on-one, it's like, it's kind of weird. See, that's one of the things I really liked about Batfleck was the vocoder in the mask. Yeah. I thought that was a really neat idea. It works. Like, yeah. especially when he's like talking with people he interacts with on the daily, like Commissioner Gordon. Great yeah. idea. Works fine. Um... <clears throat> But his Bruce Wayne, brilliant. His performance overall is incredible. Um, I won't tell you too much. I'll give you a couple of cast members. Hassan Minaj plays Edward Nigma, which is really good casting. If you've ever seen him in The Daily Show, for example, like he's brilliant. And he's that right level. He's very much like picking a comedian to play the role is a smart call because it's very Gaussian in its approach, even though, the world, even though the world is not that. Very yeah. Even though the world is not that, it's very 60s Riddler in a gritty crime thriller. Yeah. And it works for that. Um, yeah, I don't... Mm. I can tell you like some of the cast members, for example, uh, Lance Reddick is in it. John Rhys Davies is in it. Um, I'm interested. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's, it's Sam Witwer. Um, uh, who's Aloy? Ashley... Ashley Birch. Birch. Ashley yeah. Birch is Vicky Vale. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to bust that body. Um, <laughs> I can't, respectfully. can't think of Vicky Vale now without hearing that. To Kim Basinger. And that's your fault. Um, I fucking love that movie, though. Your, and I love, I love that, that movie. Love that soundtrack. But that, that's your fault. That's your and Prince's fault. And Prince isn't here for me to blame anymore, so I'm blaming solely you. Look, if a man is considered guilty for what goes on in his mind, <laughs> then give me the electric chair for all my future crimes. Listen. Oh. I, I'm going to hold you <laughs> personally responsible for backdance. I accept. <laughs> Could you imagine he committed a horrid crime? What was that? The bat dance. Are you kidding me? That's the funkiest fucking crime. <laughs> the funkiest ever crime. I'm the funkiest criminal. Tiny side tangent. I read Batman '89 the other week. And fucking great. Good. Really, really good. Good. Really, 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 really good. Who's the screenwriter? It's the guy who wrote 
Batman and Batman Returns. Sam Ham. Sam Ham. Sam Ham. Sam Ham writes it. It's very much a if this was a third if there was a thing, third yeah. film, it's this. Um, and there's a Halloween person at the beginning who's dressed tastelessly as the Joker, but it's it's Prince's Joker half of the Gemini costume. <laughs> and it's like, do you not think this is a bit insensitive considering the events of the last few years? And he's like. Uh, <laughs> but in the way the guy's illustrated, he's illustrated like Prince in one of the video in the Party Man video, where he's just full Joker. <laughs> it's great. Party Man. There's also a bunch of like Tim Burton Party characters Man. in the Trick or Treaters, which is kind That's of fun. Cool. Things that you're like, oh, there's Locke, there's Barrel, there's, there's Lydia Dietz. It's like this is really cute. Um, there's Ichabod Crane. Uh, so Ichabod. I will. Uh, Ralph Garman pops up in a couple of roles. Ramen. Ralph Garman, thank you very much. Ramen noodles. Um, which is great because he's, he's an announcer a few yeah, times on the radio. Yeah, yeah, But later on... Which they, is very Ralph Garman. Which is very... And it's basically the same role he played in Agent Carter. That's very good. He's playing a radio announcer in yeah, Agent Carter. that's very good. But he, um, he, he very briefly plays in a radio serial in the programme, The Grey Ghost. Which, of course, Batman Animated Series, Grey Ghost episode... Sorry. Was a homage the to... Grey the Grey Ghost! Was a homage to... Adam West. Adam West is a performer. The people working on the show growing up with Batman, the TV series. Um, Adam West's kind of like tragic career trajectory because of the show and typecasting and all that shit. But like, it was obviously one where he was like, oh, I don't know. Read the script and went, oh my God, they get me. Oh my God, this is so sweet and considered and thoughtful. They like Um, me. They really really like like me. me. And that's the thing. Ralph Garman voices the Grey Ghost. So Uh, how do you think he does it? He does it exactly like that. Yeah, yeah, of course he does. perfect, which they utilise for a terrifying moment. Um, But, 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 but. Listen to this shit. Here's the basic premise of episode one. And that's all I'm giving you. That'd be nice. Here it is. Do it. The Harvester, a killer who's been leaving victims around the city, seemingly intact, but all having bled out and all having been cut very neatly in a couple of places, is still at large. The latest bodies brought into the morgue, the mortuary at the hospital, Gotham, um, Gotham's main hospital. I think they, I think I might be wrong about misremembering it. I'm sure it's Elliot Memorial Hospital. It's like a little, you know, nod. But um, they bring in these bodies and the mortician, his new assistant arrives that night to help. She's arrived a day early. She just wanted to like check in, make sure she had everything in the right place. She's the like third or fourth one that they've gone through in a month because the main guy, the main mortician, is a bit intense, apparently. He tends to empathise with the victims. That's how he figures out what's happened to them. Sits there and narrates their story as though it's from his point of view or their point of view. Just to sort of reconstruct the scene of the attack in his head to maybe learn more and and... and consider the life that has been taken and properly respect it throws a lot of other people off but she kind of gets it she sees what he's doing and she goes for it because he's noticed something he's noticed something that the police and the press statements aren't mentioning something is always taken from the body something internal is always removed and the police never mention it in the press So he wants to know why. This mortician is a man called Bruce Wayne, who's been working at the hospital pretty much since he graduated medical school in his 20s. The hospital is run uh, by the sort of head of everything, Martha Wayne, and its head surgeon, Thomas Wayne, is a bit worried about his son's current obsession with the corpses. That's the setup to Batman Unburied. Right? 
just what is going through your head right now? What is going through your head right now? Winston Dukes dies. Besides depicting yourself clamped between the meaty treats that are Winston Dukes dies. Um, Locked around your head like a goddamn winter scarf. That's it's fucking different, isn't it? Yeah, it's different. It's different because it's an interesting. It's, uh, that hear, in itself, that's an interesting elevator pitch for a Batman thing. You hear that step and you go, "Wait, Batman? How is this a Batman, Batman? story? What? No, that's I long. No, 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 no. I long to see Batman taken away from the origin of a rich white dude living out his weird neoliberal fantasies by beating up criminals at night. I long to see Batman removed from that. Well, we, we were talking about this on my Twitch stream the other day when I was mentioning the series to people and recommending it. Um, people were like, so hang on, Winston Duke playing Batman. Why hasn't there been a black Batman in adaptation before? And certain people, like um, uh, writer Mark Bernardin put out a thing about it a while ago. He mm. said, he's an African-American, and he said, like, here's my POV on it. The Wayne family comes from old money. Which, yeah, exactly. Which yeah. is not usually something... That a black family has access to, nor gained, yeah. um, for various reasons. What the fuck do you think Wayne Manor probably was? Yeah, like four hundred, three hundred years ago. What do you like? Yeah. What do you think they made their money from? Like Thomas and Martha did not do that. Their parents you, didn't. You do go that. far enough back in any old money American yes. family, you're going to get to slavery and exploitation. So you're just going to. Now that doesn't stop Bruce from being of mixed heritage necessarily. Very true. Um, and I think that should always have been an option on the table from day one or whatever. Like, yeah, in the main continuity comics, he's Caucasian. He's a white American guy. Sure, fine, whatever. But in adaptations, you can play around. You can change it if you want to. Don't do it just because. And I think by but doing it, there it, would, is... it would have some interesting things to say about the well, way that's the that thing. race intersects with crime in the States. That's the thing, because that there's the structural class. element. Yeah. Him being of that old money family, yeah, yeah. he is not... He can, he can empathise... But he can't relate. Nope. He will never be welcomed in to have that conversation beyond just the facts. Nope. Quite rightly. If anyone knew who he was, really under the mask, they'd be like, fucking what? Yeah. You? So that's not exactly the conversation to be had, which is expertly done. Rich man punch poor man. In Batman 89, the comic book. The plot of that book is Harvey Dent trying to oust Commissioner Gordon for allowing Vintelagi, uh, uh, Vigilante to run free and work with him in the police. And also he's trying to get money to go back into old Gotham, the neighbourhoods he grew up in, which are effectively like the project of Gotham. Uh, the underfunded yeah, communities right, right. with a lot of the black community of Gotham. And it's about them going, you're fucking split down the middle. Like, yeah, you, you, you all left, right, you all left right. here to fight for us and you're no better than any of them now. Yeah, and it, it's, it's it's and obviously that story's in case you can't figure it out. Harvey Dent being a main I character. I wonder in that where book, that's going. I wonder who the villain of the story is. Eventually, but it plays massively on the the being split down the middle aspect mm. of him, spiritually, um, ethically, and Bruce's whole thing of him kind of waking up to it. Robin is a character called uh, Drake something. So not Tim Drake. It's based on the Damon Wayans Robin. Yes, it is. That that never was. He's doing his own thing in Old Gotham. Okay. And it kind of it's that that thing of like when him and Bruce finally sit down at the stupid fucking long table and have a chat. It Bruce sort of is like, I really could be doing so much more as Bruce. Yeah. As well as doing what I do as Batman. 
like Bruce can reach areas Batman never will. Batman is a blunt instrument to deal with this. This still needs helping. Bruce can and should do that. Fight the cause, not the symptoms, baby! Yeah, exactly. And and as time goes by, I think once you get to like different continuities and whatnot, like the Batman would have been an interesting opportunity to start this change, maybe. The Batman's set in a very gothic city. Um, you know, shot in Liverpool and and uh, a bit in Glasgow and stuff. Like uh, yeah, because like the the bill interiors, a lot of them are in Glasgow. And it's very gothic architecture. They're going off the idea of the Waynes being old money family. Like they used to have a mansion. Now Bruce is in a gothic apartment at the top of a skyscraper. Um very much 90s influence like it's established that Bruce was born in like the early 90s or whatever Um, so you've got that but what if they weren't from a mansion I mean maybe they bought the mansion why not fuck it yeah but like what if they are not a non-white family yeah who like if Bruce because obviously as time moves on your Bruce Wayne's in future adaptations are going to have been born in the 90s or the 2000s. Like, even born in the 80s. You could be like, his parents are wealthy because they invested. His parents did this, that and the other. They bought this mansion and did it up. Made it into their own home. Maybe there's an element of reclamation there. Yeah. Like, there is no reason for Batman to remain white in other adaptations. I understand if the comics want to keep him as is because there is that element of continuity. So fine, whatever, sure. But don't be afraid to evolve the stories in the POV. Um, I think Mark Bernardin has a completely solid point there. Yeah, totally. But as time moves on, you can absolutely, I think, open it up. And and Batman Unburied, because it's a non-visual medium, yeah. you can picture what Wayne Manor looks like in your head. You can decide how it looks. You can decide the way it is. I want to see it. Lance Reddick, in case you haven't guessed, is Thomas Wayne. Right? Yes. And it just, it works. Like, it's fine. And I'm just, just hearing Lance Reddick's voice in my head and going... He's the yeah. little, he's the age warning at the start of the episode yeah. as well. He's the whole, like, oh, yeah. intended for mature audiences. Uh, just like, uh, will that be all, Mr. Wick? <laughs> oh, you um, silky bastard. You silky bastard. I love it. I love it. I love his voice. love his uh, voice. So oh, much. and Jason Isaacs is Alfred. Oh! Which really works well. Yeah, right. Ace is in it. Ace, Ace, the Ace the Bathound is in it, and Ace only responds to German commands. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. Because they don't like the idea of like criminals or anyone trying to like tell him to do something. Yeah, okay. If he's involved in a stakeout. Yeah, okay. Because they're not going to see a dog and be like, you know, good dog, you sit, sit. Like no. they will be like that, but he won't respond. Yeah. But then if Batman says like in, in German, then Ace will be like, right, I'll do that. Sitting, sitting. <laughs> Nine sitting. I'm a Newton bitten. Sitting. We can absolutely speak German. I can't speak German. Um, don't you have a tattoo that says "Die Bart Die"? No, it's German for the Bart. The. Oh. <laughs> no one who speaks German could be an evil man. Um, so. The Bart. The. So massive recommend. Squirrel Girl, the Unbeatable Podcast, Batman Unburied. And if you can get your hands on the graphic novel, Batman 89, which has been a cancelled. It's a limited series collected in a hardback volume, and they are not making any more. And that really sucks. But it acts as a third, uh, a fun third and final chapter. that's all your fault. Actually, yeah, Chris. probably. I want to read uh, Superman 78. I've not picked that up yet, but I want to read that one too. Yeah. 
Intriguing. Yeah. Uh, Where's the diversion point for that? Where does it follow? What does it follow on from? Superman two. Batman eighty nine follows Batman Returns. So we're all agreeing that Superman three never happened. Both of them are mostly because all the kids out there are still traumatized by the woman turning into a robot. Yeah, isn't it? Um, not the bad opening, weird slapstick opening of the movie. No, no, that traumatized me. But I was like, this comedy's terrible. But this, um, com- <laughs> this is terrible comedy. <laughs> but but and it's a big but. Um, I think I think Batman eighty nine and Superman seventy eight, the comic books, are going off of the notion of this continues the Tim Burton story. This continues the Richard Donner story. Yeah, sure. um, and they have since established with what was going to be in Batgirl and what's in the Flash. That the Keaton Batman, Burton Batman, those two movies are one universe. The Schumacher stuff is a different universe that's just similar to that one. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, sure. All right. I buy Adjacent. that. I buy that. Um, you can still enjoy them as an anthology because it's like James Bond. Like They're not really all connected. But it, you can watch them as a series. And... Those, characters, those characters are basically um, archetypes at mm. this point. Mm. Um and James Bond's always the perfect comparison in my head because it's like y'all watched a shitload of James Bond movies with different actors and never once questioned continuity when they were like oh we'll bring back that villain no you never questioned it it's like last time you met that villain you weren't as humorous and you didn't look the same as, uh, and you know then Each the piece Daniel speaks... Craig movies happened and it got weird yeah where it is continuity solidly for five movies except in, Sp- in Skyfall where it's like, are we acknowledging the older films here? No, we're just kind of acknowledging this for franchise because it's the anniversary of the franchise. Yeah. But then we're going to keep referencing things like that for the next two movies. It's like, wait, what? Oh. We have a, we have the same M from the previous continuity because we didn't want to lose Judy Dench and she probably had a multiple contract thing. Um, speaking of, just a quick diversion before we move on to the MCU card topic proper because I really want to get into this. Um, the Deadpool 3 news came out that Wolverine's going to be in Deadpool 3, played by Hugh Jackman, and it's coming out in 2024. Do you know why? No. Aside from because it will make all the box office. And, and, and I'll be honest. Mm. I'll be honest. I'm really struggling to care. Right? Well, I know you... I'm, yeah. I'm really struggling to care. You had Diminishing Returns with Deadpool. Yeah, I did. I, I, I did. I enjoyed, I enjoyed all 2.5 movies, because... <laughs> That little short film set between them is really fun, and I loved Once Upon a Deadpool as a, this is fucking weird, please make this available as a Blu-ray extra, and they never did. Um, it was only available to buy separately in the States, which is annoying. But, um, like Deadpool, uh, whom I love. Um, but well, it is annoying. But it is annoying. It is annoying. Um, which is why I'm struggling to care. It's just become annoying now. It broke the internet, but here's the thing people are forgetting. For those listening along at home, Matthew is milking an invisible giant cow. I'm, I'm espousing my thoughts. Whilst just squeezing the teat into your coffee. You just, want more just, creamer. Just, just, just carry on the story. Did you know that the Fox contracts for the actors are still ongoing? <clears throat> Disney bought Fox. Disney got the rights to all the Fox-owned Marvel content and movie rights, including, of course, the X-Men. There's a reason we're not seeing any X-Men projects in the MCU just yet. We're getting X-Men 92, which again is a here's a continuation of a thing that you, you all used to love. We're getting that. When you were and they're making children. a big and they're making a big deal out of that. Yeah. 
Ms. Marvel revealed the notion of mutated genes already being there within the world. Yep. Kamala's powers come from a mix of her heritage gadget, which clearly is going to end up connecting to the Ten Rings in some way, and a latent mutant gene in her DNA. Um, with a little blast of the X-Men theme in the music. Yeah. Ma- Multiverse of Madness. Charles Xavier from a multiverse from a different universe appears, played by Patrick Stewart. Not the one from the other films. He's looking, looking like the one from the animated series. Looking like the animated series. Like, it's all lovely and little nods, right? Yeah. Patrick Stewart. Article in She-Hulk talking about a man with claws gets into a bar brawl. Yeah. Well, nod to Wolverine. Um, mutant mutant genes being hinted at Miss Marvel, right? They're laying the groundwork. But we've had no confirmed announcement of here's where the MCU is going to tackle mutants. Deadpool's coming out in 2024, end of 2024. Yeah. And will feature, presumably, the rest of the Deadpool expanded cast. Colossus. Colossus, Negasonic Negasonic. Teenage Warhead, Domino, Cable. Like, these guys are all going to show up. Yeah. Here's why I think. You Jackman's showing up. Why would you Jackman show up? Because all the X Men actors are contracted till twenty twenty five. A ten year deal was negotiated. Yeah. A ten year deal was negotiated in the aftermath of Days of Future Past. Late twenty twenty, uh, late twenty fourteen to early twenty twenty fifteen, a ten year window was negotiated so that everybody would basically have that security of if you're in this and you want to be in this, you're in it. This is yours. Sometimes it's a picture deal. Sometimes people go, oh, it's a three-picture deal. Yeah. I'm going to be in three films. Um, sometimes it's a, I'm going to be on a 10-year contract with you, whatever you want to do with those characters in 10 years. If I'm up for it, I'm doing it. But also, you can't recast, it's me. It works for both people, essentially. Yeah. It's job security and franchise security, and people have to buy out of contracts to leave them, or studios have to buy actors out if they want to recast. It traps everyone. <clears throat> yeah. Patrick Stewart played Xavier for the last time in Logan he announced his retirement from the role he said I'm done now I love it this is the perfect note to bow out on Hugh Jackman not long after goes yeah this is my last one too it's a perfect note to bow out on Logan is a is an alternate continuity last story for those two characters that if you want you can pretend it is the last story from the films you've seen if you want to just go X-Men and Logan those are the two films in the series and it's the start of their relationship and the end of their relationship. You can do that too. Um, it is what it is. Uh, there it is. Deadpool makes pop culture references to the Wolverine films yep. and the Wolverine character with the Hugh Jackman mask in the first one and the whole like smooth pair oh, yeah, of smooth criminals down under. <laughs> and, and then in the second one, the whole fuck Wolverine. <sighs> like it opens with Logan impaled on a stick and action yep. figure and him being annoyed that everyone went to see that and no one went to see as many, not as many people went to see his movie. Yeah. And, and like, you know, like it's, it's, there's references in Deadpool the way that it would do. It's not solid continuity, but they acknowledge you, Jackman, and the role of Wolverine. If it's good for a laugh, they'll <laughs> chuck it in. You and... If it's bad for a laugh, they'll chuck it in anyway. Hugh and Ryan have a great working relationship. They like to spar verbally. They take the piss out of each other. They've got business ventures and all this stuff. It was inevitable they were going to work on something together at some point. Like, it was inevitable. Like, they would always sneak each other into each other's projects somewhere. Like, mm. even Free Guy, Hugh Jackman just randomly plays, like, that dealer in the alleyway and stuff. Like, in, in the game, dealing stuff to um, Jodie Comer's character. Like it's, I haven't it's, seen Free Guy, but I don't care about it. It's... Do you know what? Um, if you've got Disney+, Plus, it's Free Guy. Considering you liked Thor, Love and Thunder, you'll probably love it. <laughs> That's not an insult. 
But if you can stomach Watiti in his current form, you'll have a whale of a time. I quite liked Free Guy. I should have seen it as a warning. Um, so I can bitch as much as I like about that film. I gave them money. I bought all the toys. So leave me alone. Um, point is, this is obviously a money play. But if they can't bring Wolverine into anything yet, without paying you Jackman a lot of money, and Deadpool's continuity is obviously about to get very confused. Because this thing, they could they said Deadpool's next film is in the MCU. Well, how do you do that? You could literally just tell a brand new story. The only character who's the same is Deadpool. And he could reference like, what's that smell? It smells like franchise stability. Hmm. It's a new day. And just literally just leave. And like, that's it. Like, he's, ju he's just in a reboot. And he doesn't give a fuck. Like, you could play with that. Or, after the last couple of years of familiarising the general audiences with the concept of the multiverse, you could tell one more story in the Deadpool Fox slash loose Fox X-Men continuity. I mean, the, the X-Men continuity in the Fox universe is very loose. Before bringing Deadpool kicking and screaming into the MCU. <laughs> Seems to be the logical way to do it. Just don't put if you want to give it a reason. Oh God, no, don't, put him in, don't put him in an Avengers movie. No, don't put him anywhere near it. Deadpool should be the fun... Deadpool is, if you've ever read um, Doctor Who magazine, and you've got the letters page, and there's this weird little comic strip. There's been a couple of versions over the years, but mm. it's just a weird little comic strip that's not part of anything, and it's just a humour strip. It's yeah. just there. That's Deadpool. That's what Deadpool should be to the MCU. He's that weird little fucking thing in the corner where we all go, have a laugh, have a good time, we can get cameos and weird shit from the rest of the MCU appearing in it. Now get behind and your go, fucking yeah. box! Like, like, if Chris Evans played Captain America in a skit in Deadpool 3... Yeah. I wouldn't hate that because I wouldn't be like, that ruins the, the integrity of his character's exit or whatever. I'd be like, no, fair play because this is where everyone comes to have a, have a play around. Mm. And he probably would. He cameos in Free Guy very briefly as himself reacting to a Captain America shield being used in the movie. He's watching on a screen he goes, what the shit? And then it moves on. And it's like, there you go. Like him and Ryan obviously are friends too. Why the fuck not? Like the Deadpool movie should be Everyone a place where you can Ryan play. Reynolds, right? I fucking Wrexham United do. Jesus Christ. Have you watched any of that? Wrexham AFC, I think you'll find. Have you? Well, yes. My apologies. Have you watched the I've first watched episode of Wrexham? Yeah. I've watched some I of it. I really like it. It's this fun little thing just about like, we have money. This is cool. Why not? Yeah. Fuck it. And just the impact it's had on the community. And the fact that everyone like, it's a bit of hesitation at first. And then everyone's like, no, these guys are really invested in this. Okay. Sure. Why not? Like, who would imagine a club of that like, you know, that league having a Disney Plus documentary series. It's very strange. It's so bizarre, but it's kind of wholesome. We live like in it. wonderful times. And I like that Ryan is very much like, yeah, I have a lot of money because of like my gin company and my marketing company and all this stuff. And Rob um, McKinney? McKinney is like, yeah, I'm not Ryan Reynolds rich, but like, I want to do this. So let's do it. <laughs> I've got some money. i got some money. I've got like, a couple of quid fine around. We'll make it work. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so so like, I think I think the reason why it's Hugh Jackman is because they're like we are fucked. We can't do anything with the X Men work property yet because we'd have to use like what's her name, Alexandra Ship, Alexandra Sharp. She'd have to be Storm. We we'd have to use Ty Sheridan as Cyclops. We'd, do you know what I mean? Like everyone's yeah. bound to this. It's a re and it's a real fucking double edged sword because some of those castings are really cool and some of them are awful. Mm. 
Like, we're stuck. Ah. We're stuck. We're damned if we do, damned if we don't. So, we do a last hurrah for the Fox universe on our terms in the playground of the Deadpool franchise. I will not be surprised if Hugh isn't the only returning cast member for this one. Hugh! Hugh bastard! <laughs> like, could you fucking imagine if we got, like, McKellen for one last roll of the dice? Not for anything important. I'd rather have Fastbender. Just for shits and giggles. I'd rather have them both. Why not? Kissing. Like, Deadpool could literally have a moment where he just gets every fucking surviving actor. Not even the character. Just the actors. The actors in a room and is like, holy crap, right. We're drawing straws. Like, people have to fucking pick who's going to play that character in Deadpool 3. Like, that's the sort of shit you could pull if you wanted. And it would just be a, this is fun and stupid. You guys are having fun. Yeah. I like this. Do more like this. And then after that, Deadpool goes into the MCU. He doesn't necessarily have another solo film, but he could rock up in, like, Secret Wars or something like that. Um, And be a weird little wildcard character. Not a main character. God, no. Not a main character. God, no. You'd utilise Deadpool either as a wild card in a team that is not a family-friendly team. Like I would, I, wouldn't, I would not be surprised if they went, Thunderbolts, Thunderbolts is coming out yeah. in 2025 and Deadpool's on the team. Surprise, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, that I'd go, okay. The problem, the pro- the problem he's is been utilised in that book brilliantly. But if he's in something that's not a Deadpool solo film, the, the leaning into the fourth wall breaking, self-referential stuff, it just gets weird and distracting, I think. Well, it's not his movie. If he's in a team, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 so you, so you, how you write you, that character is. Yeah, is... You, you have to be well. Thunderbolts, X Force. Yeah. Books have done it in recent years and done it really well. Yeah. Maybe that's how you use him, X Force. Because obviously he mockingly sets that up in Deadpool Two, and then they all die horrific deaths. And then um, the third film was going to be a spin-off. It was going to be an X Force movie with Deadpool in it. Um, originally so I could see them going fuck it we're going to do X-Force that'll be the first X film in the MCU X yeah introduce like Psylocke um, Wolverine you know like do that why not Um, so yeah it'd be interesting to see if that is the case if it's like we're not going to get any casting announcements because that's the thing they couldn't announce who's playing the characters until after the contract's done that's true they can't publicly acknowledge that the discussions have happened until the legality deadline has passed. Mad, isn't it? Madness. But hey, that's just a theory. A lame theory. And fuck. So, what's the uh, what's the other lame theory we're here to talk about? <laughs> Is the MCU boring now? No. No! Thanks for watching. Uh, next question! Yeah, um... Superhero fatigue is a topic that's been talked about shitloads over the last few years. A lot of people bring it up because, of course, like, yeah, why not? It's a big trendy thing. It's become a trendy thing, superhero genre. You know what I'm really sick of? Me? Crime TV series. You know what else I'm really sick of? Forensic crime Forensic TV crime dramas. You know what else I'm really sick of? Domestic soap operas. Domestic soap operas. You know what else I'm really sick of? Breathing. Breathing. I'm really sick of breathing. Breathing's been around for so long. I think we just need something fresh and new and different. Change the all fucking just stop breathing. Thank, thank you for fucking succinctly putting it. If you Here don't like, if Here you don't week. like the MCU, stop watching. You don't have to watch it. You don't have to commit to it. You could stop and then someone go, 
Did you see uh, Moon Knight? I think you'd like it. All right, go on, I'll give it a go. Oh, do you know what I actually do? Mm. You see Miss Marvel? I think you'd like it. I'll give it a go. Not really for me. I'll tune right. out. If you're just watching She-Hulk for Daredevil's fucking appearance, maybe wait till everyone says that. Oh, that Daredevil. That's the episode the Daredevil that he's in. up today. Instead of being angry that it's not that every week. Oh, why isn't he here now? I want this very specific thing that I was never promised based on something that was teased out of context, and it's not here, and now I want it. <laughs> <laughs> And breathe. No, we talked about this. A bomber stay. Breathing is um breathing is out. Breathing is out. It's old, it's tired. We've all got breathing fatigue. Now <laughs> This is not to say that you as an individual listening to this, watching this, can like have an issue with it all. Maybe you're like, oh I feel a bit overwhelmed. Completely valid. There are completely valid. Absolutely valid complaints about the dominance yeah. of the MCU. But they mostly actually revolve around the way that other studios studio, react. To other it? studios react to it, and yeah. the way that studios like Marvel Studios treat um, contractors, like special effects artists. Mm. Um, oh yeah, like, there know, are legit other, like grievances. Yeah. There are absolute problems with the way with you know the workload um, and the time frame balanced with the amount of uh, restitution and credit that they get. Yeah. Uh, so there, there is rare grievances there, but I don't think the answer is. Well, oh, the problem is there's just a lot of it. There's too many Iron Mans. It's like yeah, there's a lot of Iron Man movies, but it's not the fact that they're Iron Man movies. It's the fact that there's a demand. There's a demand for this stuff. Yeah. If, if, if people didn't keep going to see it, they won't fucking make it. And they don't deliver half-assed projects. They just deliver stuff that some people love, and some people aren't fussed. I mean, about. yeah, that's like, but just, that's like any movie. So we've always like said about the film. MCU and yeah. and Disney as a whole, you know, for better or worse, it has become homogenous. Disney but, the company, um, no. Disney Studios and they work with Marvel Studios. Yeah, right. Okay, that's well, fine. well, it's not, it's not that it's not that I'm like apologising <laughs> for the corporation, but oh, yeah. when you look at what corporations do, mm. what Disney have gotten quite good at since like the sort of mid to late nineties, realising. That yeah, they they're gonna pump a ton of shit out and flood the market and strangle the competitors. But hmm. however, the stuff that they are using to do that with tends to be of a higher base quality than most of those competitors. Yes. So not See always Dark Universe. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> See the DCEU experiment. So not um, always. Yeah. I mean, occasionally we get a clanger, like Rider Skywalker. Um oh, where, you know <laughs> That's offensive to clangers. We've got the thing. <laughs> There's a clang on the floor over there that is offended by that. Um, They're going to sit over know, there with a soup dragon and have so a cigarette in the corner. They, 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 don't always, they don't always get it right. I think I think they bungled Star Wars um, oh, in yeah. a big way. Um, however... And it's taken the smaller projects to kind of like yeah, bring back... Handle, bring yeah, back. I need to watch Handle. Not, we, we were waiting to finish a few things before we start. Um, now we've got four episodes and I'm really excited for it. Lou's like, I don't really, watch, I don't really want to watch it. And I'm like, why? I was like, does it not look interesting to you? And she went, no, it's just... I'm sort of sick about the government in general. And I know this is obviously going to be quite a therapeutic, cathartic show about rising up against a stupid superpower. But, like, I don't want that. And I'm like, right, give me the green light because I will binge it right now. Yeah, I will watch I, this. Like, show. the way this country's going, I really need to watch a show where people actually fucking defeat yeah. the stupid government. I know. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, politics! Keep it out of my podcast. No. No. Um, so <laughs> put it in your put it in your put it in your mouth. Put it in your mouth. Uh, put it in your mouth. Uh, so 
Danny Glover, what are you doing? Here? Oh, Danny! <laughs> <laughs> just, just, I thought you were getting too old for this shit. <laughs> In Lethal Weapon 1! <laughs> then comes Lethal Weapon 4... Is he in that one? Everyone's in Lethal Weapon 4. Oh, yeah. There's That's the whole thing though, with Lethal yeah, Weapon yeah, 4. It's, yeah. it's everyone's back for this one. That was the whole thing with it. Lethal Weapon Saw. Lethal, oh. <laughs> but yeah, like you say, there's there's legitimate grievances to be had with the model, the business model. Totally. With the turnover and the effect it has on um, the contributors and the artists and yeah. the, 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 the employees of the whole project. Um, it is saturation. With the way the company uh, financially fucks around and then finds out. See the Scarlett uh, Johansson situation yep. with Black yep. Widow residuals. Um, Co- corporations are going to be corporations at the end of the yeah. day. Uh, they're going to try and protect their interests to the detriment of the people that they work with and Mar- who work for them. Marvel Studios, within that, like in terms of the creative output, they've not really released anything that's just a turd. They've released stuff that hasn't been for everybody. And they've released stuff that's like, well, Iron Man 2 is literally a filler movie. It's, it's literally like, a filler movie. I am wearing movie. the character yeah. from on my chest, yeah. and even I'm like, we have, it's a filler. It's a, uh, right, those two things work. The response was really good to the Iron Man 1. People quite like the Hulk 1. Um, are we going to watch that by the time this goes out? Yeah, uh, by the way, right now, if you're listening to this or watching this right now, go to patreon.com slash bigdamncast. You can listen to our Iron Man commentary right hecking now. And our incredible Hulk commentary will be out this week, so that gives you time to source a copy of the Incredible Hulk movie. Got to do some. It's on Netflix. Yeah. But the resolution is shit. Netflix. And announcement: we're doing Phase One ah, before the end of the year. Ah, there will be a commentary for all six of the movies in Phase One of the MCU. So if you want to revisit them with our stupid voices in your ears, Patreon.com. Well, slash Big Dumbass. My voice and his stupid voice. Hey. Because he's the one who says all the stupid shit. I only make erudite and insightful comments just wait until you meet Obadiah Wankstein um so I hate it I hate it so you much you love it really I hate it <sighs> but from one bridge is to bridging back into the topic um that was good thank you phase four has been very polarizing for a lot of people they've not it's a bit it's not, weird, it's not been it? unanimously received and it's been for varying reasons even between us there's been like differing reactions to certain things like we both liked and disliked different episodes of What If. Yeah. Um, Although I think we were fairly... Um, yeah, unanimous in our like, favourites. was the best yeah. one. Uh, um, but like, and it turned out to be the, one of the most important in terms of... Fucking multiverse. Yeah, and so, yeah God. Um, so, uh, for example, you recently got around to seeing Thor and Thunder? Yeah. You had a gay old time? I had a, I had a pretty gay old time. I saw it on release Not day. as gay as they promised. No. But, well, but, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. yeah I saw it on release... Okay. I fucking hated it. And I've hated it the more I've thought about it. Guess what? I can see the value in it. Is it, is it, a, is it a... I have a living example of somebody film. who enjoys it. Well, according to fucking Taika Waititi himself, yes. But like, I... They, well, look, that's, that's, that's gin, where we're going. Pig, there's proof of someone here who liked the movie, so I know that people that's, got things well, from that's it. That's where we're going with... To, in, that's going back to in terms of the way that the studio and the people who work for them treat mm. the contractors they work with. That, I think, is not a failing of superhero movies as a, as a concept. Oh, that, yeah. That's a failing of Taika Waititi. Is it Hollywood Report or a variety like where Taika yeah. Waititi and Tess Thompson are just... R- Fucking that's them being the shit. Artists. 
roasting effects artists who had to work their asses off under suboptimal conditions because you know that they're not getting paid as much as fucking Taika Waititi and Tessa Thompson are. And I lost some respect for them, especially Taika, for that. That was a mm. shitty thing to do. Um, I'm wagging my finger at you. Yeah, um, we've, I think we've, I think, I think we've hit, I think we've hit above the amount of healthy Taika now. Yeah, uh, let's have a little less. Can we have taika. a little less Taika for a while? Um, a little less Taika Waititi, a little more Jermaine Clement, please. Oh, um, so yeah, I love that when people go, oh, Taika Waititi, I love him. I love what we do in the shadows, the film, no, the show. Yeah, that's Jermaine Clement. Yes, yeah, yeah. Taika's an exec producer on it. He's, it's he's, Jermaine's he's, baby. He's busy going off and. Exploiting special effects artists. Come on, come on. You you should know better than that, Taika. Hey, he's married to Rita Ora, who famously broke lockdown rules with a massive fucking hired party at a restaurant with like 40 guests during the second lockdown. And the fine she ended up paying when caught out was like 50 quid. It's not cool. No. It's not cool. Shitty people. But, you know, uh, or at least whatever. people who appear shitty based on the actions that they take. Like the chat about the effects artists and the fact that he didn't even realise that he'd left in a reaction of Tessa Thompson's that was based on a moment they cut. Who fucking edited scene? it then? Who edited it, Taika? Oh, God. You just give it to the editor and say, do your thing and not be involved. Like, you're the fucking director. We, That's your job. One day we'll do a, th- a sit down, like, probably like a year after its release, we'll do a Thor Love and Thunder. Where the f- where the fuck are we now? And we'll do like a sit down <laughs> where we reflect on it, having had time to think about it, and see where we both sit on the meter. Yeah. Because like, I- I'm fascinated by how much the more I think of that movie, the more I dislike it. I remember on on initial watch, I'm like, oh, I didn't like this. Oh, I wish I liked this. I never I never want to hate anything. I always want to love stuff. It's very silly and very goofy. Yeah. Which and, and I was... I think if that's what you want from it, which is what I... It's one of those things. If you want that silly goofiness from it, you're going to get that. If you want hmm. something a little more... With a little more depth to it, like Ragnarok had, which was also something you had a bit more depth to yeah, it. Yeah, Thor, Thor, jo- Thor wasn't a joke in Ragnarok. No. Jokes happened around him, and sometimes he was part of it. Whereas in Love and Thunder... He's the joke. He is the joke. And it's like, that's a shame, because like, the arc he's had between that was kind of like beautiful and upsetting and played for laughs a little, but once you got over the initial, oh, he's out of shape. We're not used to him looking out of shape. It was, oh, it's because of his trauma. Oh, oh, this is actually kind of sad. Oh, and then the fact at the end, when he transforms at the end of Endgame into like battle mode, they wanted him... So in the script and everything, he was gonna just go poof, back to streamline Thor, and Hemsworth went no. Just because no, that doesn't. He's not suddenly better. No. Like, and we also are not saying that to be better, he must be slim again. Yeah. Which Love and Thunder is like? Oh no, he's slim now. It's like, I understand that times past. Like, sure, but. It's a, it's almost <laughs> a status quo. Reset. I wanted a halfway house. Yeah. I wanted a dad bod in Love and Thunder. Especially because he's a fucking dad at the end. I well, wanted a dad bod. Yeah. I wanted a dad I bod. I don't know. We might... We'll see. We'll not, get... not bro Thor... Not bro Thor belly. But somewhere in Thor's, between. Thor's going to return, so... Unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> I'm Thor. Oh, I love Thor. I love Thor. But here's what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Are you saying that... They the... have experimented in Phase 4. Are you saying that the second Thor trilogy is going to be a series of unfortunate events? It, it will be if it's a fucking <laughs> trilogy. Oh, God. It will be, won't it? It's going to be Ragnarok. Oh, no. Ragnarok was... Yeah, no. No, yeah, yeah we're, in the, we're in the second trilogy. We're in it. I'm no, because we're going to go the fourth one. So Yeah, but this would be the start the Thorf, of the... The Thorf so, one. Oh, God damn it. 
But this one's saying it's season four. Phase four has been kind of um, polarizing to a lot of folks. Like, I mean, it's taken a while to find its footing, and it's not got the sort of. It's only recently been given context as to what we're actually doing with it. I think with phase one, there was that the feeling that we're setting up Avengers. With phase two, there was the feeling that we're moving towards widening the universe. There's some, and, and there's something in to, the background. Yeah, yeah. We're heading towards Infinity War. And then phase three is all the set. Is the is the payoff? The payoff, yeah. The payoff, the payoff with some new characters introduced on the way, and and then a big fucking party. Yeah, Endgame, a huge party, huge goddamn party, um, followed by a little little epilogue in the form of Spider Man Far From Home. Yeah. A little kind of we'll follow up with one of these guys and then phase bathing the thingy, and then the pandemic made the gap longer. Yeah, which you think would have made it more like, oh my god, they're finally back. One division, early twenty twenty one. Holy shit. We're back on the horse. But then you got... I mean, Black Widow I mean, was... I mean, WandaVision got the reaction, to be fair. It did. Like, WandaVision it did. and Falcon and the Winter Soldier at the time, it was like, this fucking great. But there was this no was sense cool. of what are we setting up until Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, well, we're doing the multiverse stuff, right? Things cool, slotted cool. into place a bit. Yeah. It was like, oh, Spider-Man wasn't a freak accident. What if was there to sort of introduce us to the concept? Yeah. I still think you can follow the films of Phase 4 without having watched any of the TV stuff. And get something from it, mm. but here's 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 where I think the, the the meandering vibe is completely intentional. What do you do to top the biggest party you've ever had? You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't do that. You cannot top Endgame after Endgame. You can do something close after there's been a period of time and bring the gang back together and do something interesting like Secret Wars in, in Phase 6. But in the meantime, if everyone's going to be a bit lukewarm on whatever you do because it's not the same high as that last thing, experiment. Which I think they have been doing. Which is absolutely what they've been doing. And, and, and it's like, Phase 4 to me is the closest these films have ever been to going to the comic book store mm. and going, that looks cool. I'll take that. I'll get that Which one. Which again is why that I'll, looks interesting. I'll one of the things one. I liked about Love and Thunder. It yeah. feels like a weird, like one-off issue of Thor. Yeah, like a, like a odd. like a Christmas special. Yeah, written by like a, a an older writer who's come back to write a comedy one-off story. Yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 it's. I mean, fuck, Werewolf by Night is out this month. Werewolf by fucking Night. Werewolf by Night. A one-off, seemingly black and white. With at the time of recording, it's not out yet. It's out in like a week. Seemingly black and white um, horror story told in the universal monster movie style. With Elsa Bloodstone. With Elsa Bloodstone and Jack Russell, the werewolf by night. Jack Russell. And the man and the man thing. The man thing. All who know fear burn at the touch of the giant size. There it is. Like giant size man thing. But it's being played as is a as a horror. It's a horror. Mm. Um, you know, the, the TV shows have, have played around. Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, gave us a little bit more of like that Captain America, the Winter Soldier espionage thriller thing. Um, the upcoming Secret Invasion seems to be playing on the same playing field. Yeah. Uh, so you want your espionage stuff, you got it. Hey, Armor Wars is going to be a little bit of that. So much so they've gone, fuck it, this will work as a movie. It's going to be a movie now. Yeah. Like, fuck, bring it on. WandaVision, we're going to toy around with genre. We're going to play with your expectation, playing sandboxes you're familiar with to tell a story about grief. 
Um, Ms. Marvel, we have not done the teenage superhero with a secret identity in the MCU yet. Like, we did it a bit in Spidey. Yeah, but not properly. But not properly, because everyone he interacts with fucking knows who he is. So we've never really done it. So here it is. Here it is as a show. And we're also going to use it to talk about, like, a culture that American and Western media doesn't really focus on or give the spotlight in productions of this size. Mm -hmm. Hey, you like fucking weird history shit? Welcome to Moon Knight, motherfucker. Like, we're going to play around with that shit. We're going to do an interesting take on DID that is, like, not stereotypical, but still play on some of the tropes of that as a storytelling device. You like Oscar Isaac? You like Oscar Isaac? He's so into this, he's the fucking producer, and he's demanded that he's only doing one series, so that he is all in on this shit, and if he does more, which it looks like he's going to be doing, it's because he's like, I've got an idea, let's do this. So he's invested, they're making sure he's a big part of it. Animation's fun, let's see what happens when we play around with the fucking format and tell stories you know, where everything's a little bit different. You want a fun se- Hey, you like watching Die Hard at Christmas? Here's fucking Hawkeye. And while we're at it, we're going to set up a character that is going to have her own story later, should you want to carry on the world of Hawkeye. And we're going to bring Bishop. back a fan favourite villain. <laughs> well, her too. Like, and she's fucking amazing. And Yelena, oh my god. But like, Echo is one of the things I'm most excited about. Echo it? should be really good. Because yeah. I know fuck be all about it, except that Vincent D'Onofrio's in it. Yeah. Okay, that's not the selling point to me, but the fact he's in it is a cherry on the cake, yeah. which he was for Hawkeye. The moment he fucking rocked up at the end of episode five with Vera Farmiga, it was like, no. Yes. And then that very same night, went to see Spider-Man No Way Home in the cinema and went, fucking no! Ah. Like, oh my God. Um, Daredevil's coming back with a bit of a different flavour at some point. You like Daredevil? Guess what? We can't carry that version on specifically, but... We can do something new. Oh, we still get foggy. Well, Charlie, I hope this. I hope all the same cast members play those yeah. parts because Charlie Cox said in an interview, and it's being taken in every which direction by God knows how many different people. I he says that. it's not season four; it's a whole new thing. And I'm like, cool. Why not? We have seasons one to three. Yeah. But you know what happens in the comic books, folks? Every now and again, maybe every hundred issues, maybe every couple of years, a different writer takes hold of it. Number and they, one. And they do something different with it. And it's still the same world and the people you love. And you might like it. You might not. You might like aspects of it. That's what happens. Daredevil Born Again will be something a bit different. They will probably, for the sake of the history of those characters, not contradict anything that happened in series one, three. Maybe muddy the waters a bit. Yeah, muddy the waters if for storytelling reasons they need to. But if they don't need to touch it, they won't contradict it. And then you can just go, this is a a continuation. Oh, is it PG-13 now? Yeah, I kind of wish it was R-rated, but I can fuck with this, because I like these characters. You can get away with a lot. Moon Knight, Hawkeye, um, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier absolutely show that they are willing to do shit. Yeah. Like, go weird places and get gritty. Like, fucking hell, the most haunting image in the MCU so far, including the Netflix shows, outside of maybe some stuff from Jessica Jones, which is definitely fucking haunting. Yeah. But the most haunting image so far, for my money, is John Walker standing back up at that fountain with the shield in a shot that's meant to be heroic and it's the most frightening thing ever with the fucking blood on it and him looking around at everyone like, what? What? Like, in a Captain America outfit. Yeah. That was terrifying and that was PG-13. Like, it is doable. If people think that, oh, they're going to ruin it because it won't be R-rated... 
y'all have been watching not that good PG-13 stuff if you think that the PG-13 can't be shocking there is or a, can't be frightening. There is a subsection of people who just want stuff to be... Exactly the same as it was. Guess what? It can be. Go watch it again. Who just want stuff to be... I love Labyrinth. I can just rewatch it whenever I fucking want. I love, I love Lamp. Um, I love Lamp. I... <laughs> There is, a, there is a subsection of people who want stuff to be... No, Sex Panther is the sequel to Black Panther Wakanda Forever, right? Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> you want, they want people to... Want things to be um, sort of, quote-unquote, more adult <clears throat> because then they feel less... Like they're watching <laughs> stories about people in tights. Yeah. Made it's, for it's children. A, it's like, oh, if it's R-rated, if it's, you know, if it's, a, if it's a hard 15 or if it's an 18, then it's not for kids and if it's not for kids then I can watch it and not worry about I like it when Superman snaps necks I, I like it, it when Batman brands I love it. people oh, yeah, it's dead dark and dead okay. gritty and it's like do you remember how The Suicide Squad in 2021 was kind of dark well it was very dark very dark and it was very gory and it dealt with really adult themes but it was also fun funny as fuck funny as fuck yeah like it was a really fun light time and you know full well if you're a parent or an older sibling if you've got a younger sibling or a child who is like mid-teens who can deal with that kind of stuff because you've watched stuff like absolutely you have already sat down and watched The Suicide Squad with them because of course you have you know they can handle it and probably it. Peacemaker probably Peacemaker because you know they can handle it you know they're sensible enough to take it in or they're emotionally mature enough to take it in like you did that when you were a kid. You watched stuff you weren't meant to watch yet. But guess what? It works the other way around too. You can enjoy media intended for younger people. Because it's about making you feel a certain way. The reason why y'all enjoy watching a Spider-Man movie, any Spider-Man movie, is because it takes you back to being a kid and enjoying this stuff on the reg. I'm going to say something now. Go on. This might be controversial, but it's going to make people realise a lot of stuff. Oh, so there we go. <clears throat> <clears throat> for those listening along at home Matthew is greasing himself up for this statement Star Wars is for children it's still good mm. <laughs> you know you can still enjoy it as an adult I do I just I, it's, but it is for children it's a fantasy story for children now, you can use that framework to tell slightly more adult stories, but Star Wars, as a concept, is a fantasy story for children. It's space wizards saving a princess from an evil man in a black It's cloak. a fucking fairy tale. Now, you can fill out the margins of the fairy tale with more interesting, detailed stuff, but Star Wars is a fairy tale. It's what it is. Yeah. It's got as, laser and, swords and, in it. You know at I mean? its best. It's at its best when it remembers that. Yep. It, it's, you know, superhero fiction is the same. I, I worked in children's TV and, and family like entertainment for years. And I find it insulting when people go, kid stuff. Ugh. It's like, excuse me, what do you mean by that? Well, it's basic, it's stupid. Is it? So the stuff you put your kid in front of is stupid, is it? You're feeding them stupid stuff, are you? You're feeding okay. them stupid juice. Exactly, but it's like, so you're, so you, so you condone that then? You think it's dumb and you're fine giving that to your kid. No, fuck off. Catering entertainment specifically for children takes so much consideration, mm. planning and respect for that audience. Yes, there is kids media that is popular. That is like, really? This? Someone's just slapped together some stuff where you go, fucking hell, they're but just trying to hit a formula here. They're trying to tick a box. But the stuff no. that lasts, yeah. the stuff that people take into adulthood with them. 
the craft, the planning, all that stuff has come from a place of wanting to deliver the best thing that they can. Kids media should not, can be, but should not be throwaway bullshit. It should not be that. Meaning as an adult as well, you can watch that shit and get something from it. Whether it takes you back to feeling that way as a kid, whether it makes you go, holy shit, I'm getting a perspective that I don't have as an adult of stuff my kid understands or, or is into that I wouldn't have got had I not engaged with this. So I'm... I'm, I'm not a high school student in 2022, but I watched Ms. Marvel and I was like, oh shit, so like things are like this here now? Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, of course everyone's on like, TikTok. You just absorb that stuff. Yeah. Like you, it's, it's about learning and growing as an individual, I... which you should never stop doing. You don't just suddenly get to adulthood and go, I know everything there is to know. Now show me Batman killing people. I, I, bring, like, huh? I, bring, up, I bring up Star Wars because I'm, I'm watching... I'm a bit on and off watching Clone Wars for a while. And I'm coming to the end of season three now. Um, I tend to watch it in bursts. <laughs> it's like, oh, I've got a morning where I'm downstairs for two hours while a child sleeps. Uh, I should watch some Clone Wars. Um, and then, <laughs> but I've, I've come to the end of season three, which has a whole bunch of episodes which are... And bearing in mind they were made in 2006, seven, seven, eight. Yeah. They are... Star Wars-ified allegories and takedowns of fucking Bush-era American politics and foreign policy and war on terror shit. Yeah. That's what all of the Clone Wars is. It's war on terror shit. Like, even the movie is war on terror shit. Attack of the Clones is not very good. It's not very good. But it's war on terror shit. George Lucas going, as is is George Bush. Yeah. Yeah. and it, it, it delves into it even harder in the Clone Wars, which is a Saturday morning cartoon. Does it stop it from being entertaining to a young audience? Fuck no, no, because it treats that young audience with the respect they deserve. That they're going to pick up on certain themes and think about them. They're doesn't gonna, mean, doesn't mean it's always good. Yeah, but it's always enjoyable. Yeah, like, do you think a young kid watches Star Wars and outside of just the aesthetics of a stormtrooper, the the Halloween costume aspect of it all, do you think they watch it and go, "Oh yeah, they're the good guys. I want to be a stormtrooper." I mean, no, they'll go, I'll dress up as a stormtrooper. I'll play stormtrooper yeah. toys. But you say, if you could be in that film, who would you want to be? They'd be like, oh, Jedi. Yeah. Oh, I want to be Princess Leia. I want to be Han Solo. I want to be Han Solo. Yeah. Because they I understand the save difference. the day. They understand the difference that someone... Like, playtime, yeah, I'll yeah. be the baddie. But, like... Bad guys yeah, they can it. be cool. Yeah. But... It's all aesthetic. Being a bad guy does not make you cool. Yeah. Looking cool makes you cool. The two are not related. I, like, can, I can acknowledge that cigarettes... Smoking cigarettes looks cool as fuck. Not all the time. But it but like, smells The way awful. it's shot, the way it's framed in films, it looks fucking awesome. But it smells horrible. But it's bad as fuck for you and I will never want to do it. I'm sorry. No, not happening. Grew up in a family where people died of lung cancer because of smoking. As a child, I went, yeah, it looks cool, but I'm thinking about it and it's a bad thing. I ain't doing it. I don't want to do it. I ain't doing it. Like, there you go. Boom. That is what kids' media should be. Stuff where they can enjoy it, it can be a distraction, it can be a simple thing that occupies their time, but it gets them thinking about stuff. It gets them thinking about stuff on their own terms. Makes you think. And the Marvel stuff absolutely does that. Like, yeah. Even when it's throwaway, yeah. even when it's silly, um, that's what it excels at. So for you to be like, should be grittier. Why? I mean, it can be. There'll be certain stories where it needs to be. Like when Blade rolls around... Even if it's Midnight Suns adjacent or whatever, they're going to have to deal with some like scarier, more 
mature and adult themes. Mature. But it doesn't mean they can't do it in a way that is both acceptable to a younger audience. I mean, Blade will be in 15, let's be honest. Although apparently <clears throat> they've lost a director for that and Mahershala Ali is not happy with the script at all. Mm. And they've, well, they've put, the director and studio have put statements out saying, no, this isn't a creative difference. We're just, schedule-wise, it's not working, which probably means that it's being delayed. And the director's like, I I need to earn money. Yeah. And so I, I'm going to take that project if we're going to be delayed. I'm sorry. And it's like, okay. But again, I'd rather them make the thing that they're all happy with. Yeah, God, not. God. Fuck yeah. But like that will be like 15 certificate or a hard 12A where they're just about skirting the line. And people are like, oh, you can't do that with Blade. If you want your 18 certificate Blade, it already exists. Yeah. Go watch it's it. It's pretty fucking good as well. Two really great movies and then something happens. Like, it. go watch them. Like, have a great time. Go watch um, Blade the series. Oh, I hate I hate Spider-Man being kid. <laughs> I, hate, I hate Spider-Man being kid. I am man in the MCU. Okay. Yeah, I have some issues with it. But guess what? There are five other films that exist where he's not. Played by different actors, different interpretations. And also... Go give it a go. Why right. would we just want another Spider-Man trilogy that does another version of the same thing without putting its own twist on it? Yeah. I know we didn't get the third film in the Garfield trilogy, but... Um, Sony's and Sony, Sony aren't smart enough to just go, right, look, Andrew, here's a dump truck of money. You get final say on the script. Can we do a crossover film with you and Venom? And just get it out of the way. Sony gonna Sony. Sony gonna Sony. Sony gonna Sony. Sony, gonna Sony. To Sony. Um, yeah. And then you have the extra side of it where people are aggressively against the MCU in its current form. Just as on principle. For personal politics or shitty opinions. And certain projects are calling them out. What? And, oh, it's amazing. What projects would those be, Christopher? At the time of this recording, the first seven episodes of She-Hulk Attorney at Law are out. You've seen the first six. I've seen the first six. I've not seen episode seven yet. Um... But you, so you've met the Intelligentsia website, <laughs> which is fucking genius. Yeah, because it's like, wait, the Intelligentsia, like, 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 uh, Mad Thinker and 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 Modoc and the leader and, and the no, Red Ghost. No it's, just, <laughs> no, it's just a shitload of incels. Yeah, running a forum in the MCU. Oh my god, yes, yes. Because what is the Intelligentsia of the comics? No one takes us seriously. We're super geniuses and we're going to fucking show the world. Yeah. So, no one takes us seriously. We're going to show the world. God, that sounds like Twitter trolls. Yeah. Oh, shit, oh, that's wait. what it is. Um, <laughs> although I think it's also subtle lead into the leader being reintroduced we properly. Because we know he's in Captain America 4. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like She-Hulk has been calling them out the whole time. Yeah. Daredevil tease at the end of episode 5 that Daredevil's in the area because the superhero costume here has obviously been doing his costume up and then the next episode's a wedding episode where Jen says to camera like you're thinking this is coming at an inconvenient time in the season yeah that's what weddings are like they just happen and they get in the way of everything else and it's brilliant because it's like yeah this isn't a daredevil show we're teasing like you know he's coming up because you've seen the trailers if you'd not seen a trailer that would be a wait is that daredevil and then you'd just be waiting for it to happen at some point like, but there are people so angry about it, and the show calls them out. The show that was made before the internet, like, had its reaction to the show, calls them out on their bullshit. Like, the episode one... Oh, God. The episode one bit where Jen talks about how, like, Bruce does not know what being angry is. Being angry all the time really is. Yeah, yeah. So many people took that as, she can't fucking tell him how to feel. And it's like... Why not? No, she's telling him what her fucking experience is. Yeah. In relation to his. You, but, what being a woman is in relation to being... Uh, like, being a woman or a female presenting person in this world is, what your experience is, 
in opposition to being male or male presenting in this world. Men spend a lot of time telling women how to feel. Yeah. So, what, so she masters her whole transformation like that. It took Bruce years. They're different fucking people. They're different people. Also, and the implication... It's not, it's not that she's a woman that she suddenly masters it. There's still the it's, implication it's, that, that Bruce has some DID going on. That is undiagnosed yeah. in the MCU. Because um, Hulk is a separate personality. Yeah. She Hulk is not. It's Jen. It's just a She Hulk as a different personality is a different personality based on how everyone perceives her. Abomination is not a separate personality. From from um, Incredible Hulk from and Blonsky. and in in yeah. She Hulk, it's, it's still Blonsky. It's still Blonsky. Um, so, and you know, the two of them are derivative of Banner. They both get their powers from his blood. Yeah. So, which I think we talked about in the first episode, the idea of like, ah, oh, like they both get their powers from his blood, and, yeah. and there's some fucking there you go. Yeah. So like. You know, it's it's that speech at the retreat in episode one of She-Hulk is masterfully written. Yeah. Brilliantly delivered. Yeah. And also shows that she's not in charge of her anger because toward the end of it, she starts to fucking transform. And he's like, right, come on, calm down. And she does lose her shit the first time she transforms in the lab. Yeah. So, like, the point is that Jen... She's still hurt. Jen is a flawed human, as all humans are, with different experiences to Bruce. Yeah. As, as a woman, as a lawyer, as someone in her mid-30s who's not dealt with this shit for years, she has different life experiences. And it's like, the show's been handling that incredibly. Like, her dating life yeah. has been such a brilliantly written part of the show. Because it's it's a tragedy. And not in like a, oh, she's unlucky in love. In a, she is now going, holy fuck, do people even like me for me anymore? Mm. Oh my god, we're hitting it off. And the moment I'm not She-Hulk, he leaves. Okay, that's... Hmm. The way the court case in episode four is resolved by, like, showing... Episode four or five being resolved by showing that, like... Oh, all the people she went on a date with be, like, only doing it because she was She-Hulk. Yeah. yeah. Wins the case, meaning she wins by having it completely confirmed to her that she was not enough to those people and, like... Oh my god, that makes me feel horrible. Yeah. As a human being. Yeah. Like, even though I know it, they're being shitty, it's still in my face. And it's like, is this my life now? Is this what I have to do? Is this an extra? It's brilliantly done. Tatiana Maslany as well is like ideal casting for this. She handles it so She's well. She's brilliant. She acts through the questionable moments of CGI integration. Again, yeah. Marvel, give your employees more time. Yeah. But like, more money. More money. Uh, more money. More time. Yeah. Um, but She-Hulk has been calling out the shitty culture around it. Yeah. Now, as for the people who are like, hang on, guys, I'm just not enjoying Phase 4 because it's not for me. I thought Black... In the parlance of the kids, I thought Black Widow was mid. I thought Eternals was mid. We're not fucking talking about you then, are we? We're not talking about you. You were just like, yeah, I'm just not jamming with this. And that's yeah. totally fine. If you want to stick with it and see what stuff does, like, tickle your, your pickle, go for it. If you're like, I'm going to nope out. Go for it. If you're like, I'm going to wait until like a mate of mine says, oh, you'll enjoy this. Yeah, I mean, that's Go the thing. It's it. like, this isn't going to be... None of it is essential for you. None of this is going to be taught in schools, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, yes. You're not going to need to... But Avengers, like, uh, I, you had to watch the five films before that for it to make sense. Mm. Not exactly, but it helped. And that was cool. That's always a difficult perspective for me to take yeah. because I've known about these characters for so long, even before the... Um, the films came along. They're screen, their screen adaptations. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't really go into those movies without 
context. Mm. So I can't have that experience. That's not yeah. an experience I can have. Yeah. Um, so it's weird for me to sort of say that definitively, but I think that you do a pretty good job of like being, this is what this is. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing. It's, it's like a soap. It's a soap opera. You can watch all of it if you like, but if you've got other shit going on, or if a storyline, in this case a series mm. or a film, just isn't your thing, skip it. It's cool. Like, but what if I want to tune in for the finale? What if I want to tune in for the crossovers? Am I going to have missed out? There are people out there, and if this is you, comment below, who've watched maybe Infinity War and Endgame, or Avengers. No, that's an and maybe caught some of the rest of the other films. Yeah. Did you have a good time? Did you still enjoy it? Did you get the gist? Those films give you just enough of what you need. You don't have to have watched WandaVision to see where Wanda's at in her life in Multiverse of Madness. It adds extra dimension. Yeah, I was thinking about that last time I watched yeah. it. I was like, actually, yeah, she doesn't mean... They, they mentioned something about An the town. An incident and, but... and her having learnt that she has children in the multiverse that she can't have yeah. now. But they, talk, yeah. they, they say all that in the film. It's not like expecting you to know that already. Yeah. Now, they, if you've seen it, it beautiful bonus. When that bing, 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 bing creeps into the score, when you see the house in Westview, you go like, oh yeah, but you don't need it. You don't need it. It's there if you want it. And also, I'll say this on the point of view of fellow nerds and geeks and whatnot who are like, oh god, there's just, I'm bored of it, or like, oh, it's not the same, or there's too much of it. Motherfuckers, do you remember when there was like two of these things a year? But even then, lucky, I mean, I don't, that's 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 getting that's dangerously yeah. closer. Oh, no, well, not, you should be grateful for no, what no, you get. No, I'm not saying you should be grateful for what you get, but like, do you remember when there wasn't many options? Yeah, this is true. You you've got a you've got your spot for choice now, and if you don't like it, cool. I, like, I, I think there I, is, I wish I wish you did. I wish I liked Love and Thunder. I, I think like I wish you liked this stuff. I think people do but, have a sense that like they have to consume this oh, because no, it's God, no. cultural importance. Like you really don't. I am going to be on holiday. Around the time that the Doctor Who centenary special is coming out, I'm oh, probably no. I'm probably not going to see it on broadcast. Oh no! Is there an element of oh, I kind of don't want things spoiled for me? Yeah, absolutely. That's going to happen. That's circumstantial, but like I don't have to watch it on transmission to feel fulfilled, to feel part of the Doctor Who fan community. Like I'll just watch it when I watch it. And I'll enjoy it, or I won't enjoy it, or I'll be in between. Mm. And that's that. No one's making me take a test. <laughs> no one's forcing me. There is the argument, I suppose, that people are like, oh, I don't want it spoiled for me. But if, yeah, no, that's an absolute If idea. you don't want it spoiled for you, then it is something you want to watch, right? So just watch it. Or if you watch it, watch start it, and you're not like, oh, I'm not gelling with this. Mm. Then if you're not worried about watching it, but you're worried about maybe spoilers, quit, look up afterwards. Be like, what did I miss? Mm. What are, what are people listing as like? If you know, here are the here are the three most important things mm. to come out of Moon Knight that you need to know going forward. There will be articles like that. Just give it a check out and go. I wasn't enjoying Moon Knight, but looking it up, okay, that's a thing. All right, yeah. Ending explained. Um. Yeah, maybe not that. <laughs> but like, do you know what I mean? This is it's a soap opera. If one week yeah. you are busy, you're working late or whatever fucking your virgin box didn't record it you can't bear the ads on catch up mm. you're like oh just oh, whatever and then next week you go oh oh it's on and you get it you get the gist and you go with it and it is like a That's soap it in yeah. that 
a little bit is good for you, but too much will dry your skin out. Finally! <laughs> uh, I want to read a couple of tweets that we've been sent uh, where I asked, I put the gauntlet out to see how people felt about... It's been an age since um, I've seen Twitter. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I'll, 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 I'll give it to you through a filter. Give it to me, give it to me straight. Okay. Like a uh, pear cider made from 100% pears. So I chucked out like where people are and how they feel with it, right? Ah. And Ali Convoy says, For Phase 4, I feel like some of the magic has worn off. The films feel lacking in a way I can't really put my finger on. However, I think it's direction, honestly. Maybe, yeah. It does feel like they're lacking direction. Yeah. But again, like there are people who love Black Widow, the film. There are people who, like myself, are like, yeah, it's fine. There are people who really didn't like it. It's, again, it's it's subjective. It's down to taste. Yeah, there's obviously objective criticisms with it. Um, there are things that you could look at it as someone who loves it. sequence is too long. Oh, God. Um, and yet one of the better sections of the movie in the end. Don't. <laughs> anyway. But, like, do you know what I mean? There's, 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 um... There's a bit missing at the end. Never mind. But, like, yeah. you can, you can enjoy, you can really enjoy something and objectively go, yeah, this isn't very good. I really like it. Subjectively, I, I can fuck with this and love it. But objectively, yeah, that's stupid, that's stupid. But I still like yeah. it. That can happen. It's totally valid. And Ali's point of view here is quite interesting. Um, I feel the films are lacking in a way I can't put my finger on. However, the television has really captured the feeling of comics. Mm. Especially She-Hulk and WandaVision. I think it's the serialisation aspect of it, isn't it? Yeah. And and the genre shift, the, the yeah. experimentation. Yeah, yeah. Overall, I just wish we'd spend less time building towards Secret Wars and more on interesting individual stories. Yeah. So... Phase four. Is it spoiling the MCU? Nah. It's just different. We all change. We all evolve over time. Yeah. We enjoy learn it all, new things about ourselves. En- enjoy it or don't. Both perspectives yeah. are completely valid. Um, but, but you're wrong. <laughs> Whichever one you chose, you're wrong. In the eyes of someone. Which brings us to the big damn challenge. Not in my eyes. This, this episode's Big Damn Challenge. Oh, God. It's for you lot. What Big Damn Challenge of nerd culture and geek culture would you like to set for us to both tackle in the next episode of Big Damn? Let us know. BigDamnContact at gmail.com. Send it in an email. Make sure that the subject header is Big Damn Challenge. Throw down a gauntlet. We will pick one of those gauntlets for the next episode and see how we fare. Could be about any topic. Mask reboot. No, let's not do that. It could be about any topic except a reboot of The Mask, okay? Mask, any topic. The Mask threequel. Oh, God. The mask Uh Any topic you like. Maybe it's something we've covered before, uh, like the DCEU, the MCU, um, nerd culture films and directors like Edgar Wright. Maybe it's something we've not really given time to in these episodes yet. Something to do specifically with comic book media, adaptations of our childhood stuff. Maybe it's to do with... Doctor Who, whatever it is, ah! big damn contact at gmail.com, subject header, big damn challenge. We will pick one of them to make a topic in the next episode. Until then, look after yourselves. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. Ah! Which does not leave you many options. And maybe next time we'll be in a room that's not like batting away the rain for a soundproofing oh, I like blind. it. It's cosy in here. Do you want a spoon after this? I have to clear the floor, but it's possible. Never say never. I'm sure you can't. Well, you don't have to.